Hello and welcome to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What? The podcast where Macintosh and Mod force each other to watch movies they should have already seen. I'm David, aka Macintosh. And I'm Diana, aka Mod. What are we watching this week? start our Oscar Best Picture winners. What did we start off with this week? Braveheart. When a secret bride is executed for assaulting an English soldier who tried to rape her, Sir William Wallace begins a revolt against King Edward I of England. Well done. Thank you. Good job. Uh, okay, so 1995. This is Mel Gibson's movie. His first ever no, it is not his first direction, directing film. Wait, what did he direct before this? The Man Without a Face. Huh? Mm-hmm. 1993. Okay, well, Okay. nobody saw that movie, so let's talk about I did. Movie. I saw it in the theater, and it starred Nick Stahl, who is from Plano, Texas. I saw him in a play here at Dallas Children's Theater. Good for you. I know. Well, you want a cookie? I do. Do you have one? No, I don't. We do have a pile of candy. We do. All right, so 1995, 172 minutes, 210 million in the box office. That makes sense. I this, mean, this I remember this being a big deal. Oh, so do I. I I distinctly remember my parents going to see this. I think my brother saw this one in the theater. I think this may have been one that they let him see. A budget of 72 million, which thinking about this film and seeing what was going on, mm-hmm. that kind of makes sense. That yeah. tracks. It's not it's not a huge budget movie, but you definitely had to have some money in it for the sequence, for certain sequences. Oh, for all those fighting scenes and just for the horses, because those are all fake. Yeah. It's a lot of digital horses, uh, which we'll talk about that later. Okay, so writer is Randall Wallace. Um, before this, he had only really done TV. So this was his first screenplay film and then he went on to do Pearl Harbor in 2001 and oh he did The Man in the Iron Mask Mask in 98 the film with Leonardo DiCaprio that movie was actually pretty good Pearl Harbor which is shit maybe my vote for the worst movie I've ever seen I've never seen it I've seen enough bits to be like this movie's shit I don't care first of all there are 45 good minutes in that movie and it's three hours long. And when I saw Tora, 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 I realized those 45 minutes were literally ripped off from that movie. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you just ripped off the other famous Pearl Harbor, Harbor mm. movie. Good job. Yeah, well. So what do you think about the writing of this film? <laughs> it's trash. It's not good. Uh, it's too long. Oh, God, yes. You cut an hour. Cut though, an hour, make it tighter, and then it would be good. Though, let me it be could clear. Be okay. I don't think that's Randall Wallace's fault for it being too long. I agree. But all of the shit at the beginning mm-hmm. with him as a kid. Yeah. And then all of the love interest stuff mm-hmm. is just useless. Well, that was the fuel for the fire. Sort of. Okay, so the whole point that they go after him. It's because he went after them for trying to get his lady, who he married in secret because he didn't he wasn't gonna share her with the with the king. So this is where 
I I get into this sort of history part of it. Yes. And not all hooey. Yes, this whole thing is hooey. <laughs> now, to be fair to Randa Wallace and Mel Gibson, mm-hmm. there is almost nothing known about William Wallace other than the details of the military stuff. Correct. Like they don't have any backstory on. So they made up all this stuff, and that's fine. It needed to be tighter. It needed to be tighter. And honestly, I was like, there's enough fodder in what was going on between England and Scotland. You could have figured this out without dealing with this phony love interest that I don't ever care about. But I don't think, uh, let's let's think about 1995. I don't think anybody would have gone to see a film that was purely just this guy taking out people in the 12th century. Yeah, we hadn't really started the whole anti-hero yeah, we, movement at this point. Um, yeah, it, they had to have something that was going to appeal to a bigger audience, and so they had to have this love story through line. At least that's what I'm thinking is part of what happened. I don't think a large studio would have produced that movie. Mm-hmm. However, had you made that movie in 1995, it would have been kind of a landmark thing. It would have been very interesting, that's for sure. Exactly. Okay, so the writing isn't great, but we don't really think that's the problem with the movie, per no. se. Okay, so... We're going to talk about Mel Gibson, um, both, and we're going to have to talk about him both as the director and the primary cast member. Let's set aside all of the heinous, horrible stuff that he's done as a human. Yeah, we're going to have to. Because this was back when he was the hottest shit ever. And before any of us knew what was going on there. Yeah, no. Like, as far as we knew back in 1995, he was a devoted husband who had, like, he has a lot of children. I think he had five children at that point. He's a good Catholic boy. Good Catholic boy. Um, and this is what he was walking around in a kilt. And man, he is an attractive man. Now <laughs> now with the, the the villain beard and the all of the crazy, personal life crazy, he's not as attractive to me anymore. But I look back at this and, you know, the movie What Women Want, I was just like, you're so pretty. And the good solid decade of alcoholism and probably cocaine abuse. And the anti-Semitism. Yeah. Yeah. He's He's got issues. It's okay, because George Clooney came along not long after this, and everything was okay with the world. It's true. <laughs> it's great. Uh, okay, so this uh, this is Mel Gibson's first big direction. He did The Man Without a Face in 93, then he did this in 95, and then he went on to do The Passion of the Christ in 2004. Yeah. That's what he's directed. He think He did a few tiny things, but this is what everyone would know. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Apocalyptico. Yep. Then he disappeared off the face of the planet. Yep. So what do we think about the direction? You want to talk about why this movie's too long? <sighs> yeah, he's it. He's it. So much fucking slow motion. So, there's slow motion. There's so much exposition for no reason. Oh, literally every character in... In the in the first forty five minutes of the movie, the entire dialogue is exposition. Oh yeah, yeah. We spend forty five minutes trying to set up getting to just these battles. Which, which again, is... Game of Thrones can do this in five minutes. And guess what? That's not real. No, and guess what? They made it up too. Yeah, and they're shooting in the same location that they shot this. <laughs> this was all shot in Ireland, and they shot they shoot in uh, Belfast a lot for Game of Thrones. Yeah, so I can guarantee you it's some of the same fields. It. It's just, it's so much over-wrenching, sentimental tripe. Mm-hmm. Like, 
all of the crap with the kid, all the stuff with his wife. And and I'm not saying like I can't get behind that motivation. Mm-hmm. But the the thing I brought up was, you know, people have said this is the least historically accurate movie ever. And that was, you know, after seeing like, okay, well, we don't know that much about William Wallace's story anyway. I was like, okay, well, then maybe you should just, you know, not try to tell every single plot of the story. Yeah. And make everybody such an archetypal character. Like, King Edward is this ridiculously sinister, cartoonish villain. Yeah, in this film. And but he was a brutal, horrible man. Yes, but I would rather see him just be purely brutal and horrible. Yeah. I would rather have the grounded darkness of that, of a, of a ruthless sociopathic king, mm-hmm. than this twirling mustache devilish villain. Yeah, okay, so one of the things that Mel Gibson does really well is he is disarm. he's charming. Yes. And he's he is great at that you know like the the scene with murian where it's just like do you want to you want me to have your children well i think it's a little bit soon but all right (laughs) like he is able to do that so well and i feel like he was trying to inject too much humor into a movie that doesn't need it and shouldn't have it and i think that's where we get the cartoon villain crap I really like how evil that king is, and I loved seeing the dynamic with him and his son. Yeah. Who his son is clearly gay. Yes. And he, you know, I mean, he tells, he warns his daughter-in-law, hey, guess what? If you want to have an heir, you're going to have to sleep with somebody else. That's how this is going to happen. I mean, this movie succeeds best in its battle sequences. Yes. And I know that people have this thing of... Bell Gibson has a bloodlust, and that's probably a little bit accurate. Mm -hmm. There's a little... There's always this streak of a little too much savor taken in the violence. But the thing about it is, is from what I've seen, that's his best work. Here's the thing. They had to cut a lot of it out. That last they, scene... They that, went into way more graphic detail with the disembowelment of William Wallace. And let me be... They had to cut it. And, and here's the thing, though. That's the, one of the central moments of that entire character's life. It is. And it's also some of his best performance. In the whole movie. Th- those are the best parts of the entire fucking movie. Mm-hmm. And everything else is just so overwrought and so overacted and overblown. True. And it just goes on for too long. I do like all of the, the warfare. I like all the game theory that has to be laid. I like all those deals on the side. I like it when, the, when they... They battle and they trap the one side and then the other side they think they're going to fight for them and oh, they got paid off already so they leave them. I like all of that intrigue. Yeah. That's great. That's one of the best things about Game of Thrones because that is just insane because it's a much bigger crazy. Um, but yeah, they added all this extra stuff that we didn't need. Exactly. Like the love story could have been 20 minutes instead of it was 45 Oh, and then and then he sleeps with the princess. All right, he knocks her up. All right, whatever. Fun little twist, but it's it's ultimately unnecessary. It's it's a nice little fuck you to the king on his deathbed. Like I get that. Like here's the thing. I like that part where it's like you you just want to live long enough for William Wallace to die. But here's the big fuck you. His son is now going to be the king. Which like. I'm pretty sure is not even fucking close to true. And that's okay. I, I don't, again, I don't care about that. Um, 
uh, one of the little pieces of trivia is that this is often cited as the least accurate historical epic of all time. <laughs> and Mel Gibson said, I'm telling a cinematic story. I don't care if it's historically accurate. Now that's fine, but if that's the case, then you don't get to use the people's real names. Yes. You shouldn't have been William Wallace. No. You shouldn't have, You shouldn't have used King Edward. We could all figure out that that's who you're emulating, but you shouldn't have used their real names if you were not going to try to be at least mostly historically accurate. Like, I understand filling in things you couldn't know, adding pieces of the narrative, but you shouldn't have used their names if you, if you weren't even going to try. That's where I have a problem with that. I also think there's, with that sentimentality, there's this view of, like, the warrior, I mean, they even used the fucking line warrior poets, mm -hmm. which I'm sure came in the histories from Scotland, but there's this whole ethic of warrior poet shit, mm -hmm. and it's like, man, this is such a problematic message Yes, in so many ways, and it's a theme throughout all of his movies mm -hmm. of this streak of warmongering independence and standing up for what you believe in, believe in to the death, and like, okay, chill the fuck out, dude. There's other ways to go about getting what you need out of, out of your life. Mm -hmm. Because the thing that they don't talk about, and I think this is the biggest historical problem, is William Wallace was one of the nobles who would have gotten paid off. Well, yeah. So that's where it's just like, this whole thing kind of falls apart in, in that aspect. Mm -hmm. And it's that thing of, this story is so much more complicated why didn't you let it be complicated? I don't think the writer was trying to tell that story. No. And I don't think Mel Gibson wanted to tell that story either, so they didn't. And I don't think Mel Gibson knows how to tell that story. I don't know. I don't think he's capable of that storytelling. And that's okay. Yeah. Uh, there are plenty. I bet you, in, if it's not already in development now, I bet you in 10, 15 years we're going to get the more authentic, brutal William Wallace story. I don't know. Or I, they'll go uh, Bruce, the whatever, whatever. His Robert name is. the Bruce. Robert the Bruce. They'll do his story because he's a part of it. I don't know. I, the thing is, I don't know that you need to tell the story again. I mean, it's a good story, but eh. If they get the Game of Thrones guys to do it, it'll probably be really good. Maybe just get Kit Harrington to play William Wallace. Nah. He, need, he needs to get away from the epics. <laughs> he needs to be able to cut his hair. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. Okay. So we're we're kind we're not pleased with the direction of Mel Gibson. It's it's a bit aimless. The thing is, though, the first half was just god awful, mm -hmm. but it picked up by the end. I was I was it surprised. Did. I was surprised how it kind of turned back a little bit for me, mm -hmm. and I I got I got a little bit sucked into it and and enjoyed it because we had a lot more action and movement to the story. Okay. So while we are not happy with. A lot of things. Apparently the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Uh, it won five Oscars. It won Best Picture, which is why we're doing this. Uh, Best Director, <laughs> Cinematography, Best Effects, Sound Effects. That's back when they were all glumped in together. And Best Makeup. It was nominated for Screenplay, Costume, uh, Sound, Editing, and Score. No acting. No performances. Okay, so this is what it was up against for Best Picture. Oh, boy. It was Braveheart, Apollo 13. Way better movie. Babe. Uh, that, Babe is a sneaky great movie. The Postman, Il Postido. Oh, yeah, that's a, that was a big deal. I haven't seen it, but... And Sense and Sensibility. 
I never saw it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. How does this beat Apollo 13? I, I think... I mean, let's remember, the year before was Forrest Gump. I don't care. It, honestly, if you're looking at Apollo 13, Apollo 13 is a great movie. Apollo 13 is not a great Oscar movie. Really, if you go, if you go back and watch it again, trust me on this. It's a really enjoyable movie, mm-hmm. but I think it's... I mean, it's the a, standard for space films. I just, watching it more recently, I feel like the last time I saw it, which was a little more mm-hmm. recently than when I saw it for the first time, the story's kind of just ho-hum. There's a little bit of boringness to it. The acting's really I, great. I don't but think I believe you. It's It's a little slick. And it's a little studio-ish for them. I mean, that's the only thing it really had a shot against that could have won yeah. over him. Ugh, that's bad. Okay, so for directing, it was Mel Gibson for Braveheart. He won. The nominees... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. The nominees are Chris Noonan for Babe, Tim Robbins for Dead Man Walking. Whoa. Yeah. Now, I haven't seen it, but I've heard so Seasons many great ran things. One. And that was such a huge fucking deal of a movie. Mm-hmm. And such an intimate movie. Yeah. That's kind of shocking. That was one of the movies that kind of brought Sean Penn back. Yeah. Because he had been away for a while. Well, because he beat the shit out of Madonna. Uh-huh. He was in movie jail. He should go back there. Um, Susan Sarandon needs to go back there, too. Uh, but that's what she won her Oscar for. Uh, Mike Figgis for Leaving Las Vegas. And, oh. And Michael Radford for El Postino, the postman. Yeah, it should have been... Tim Robbins. It, well, or Figgis. Leaving Las Vegas... That, as a subject matter, was never going to win an Oscar, but that movie, that's one, it's, it's been on my must-watch list for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very dark, dark movie, Yeah, but it's like going to the full lower depths of humanity. <laughs> like, that was a true deep film experience type movie. So again, shocked that Mel beat them. <laughs> Oh, and uh, the only other one I was I wanted to look at, I want to talk about, was it lost for screenplay, uh, uh, original screenplay, it was nominated, it lost to The Usual Suspects. That totally makes sense. The Usual Suspects is a tight... It's a phenomenal film. Almost flawless script. Mm-hmm. It gets a little mushy in the middle. It was, it was, but it was nominated, okay, so it was, the nominees were Usual Suspects, Braveheart, Mighty Aphrodite, Nixon, and Toy Story. Oh yeah, I think and I Usual that. Suspects won. Toy Story was a is a big deal script though. It That's is definitely a good one on the list. This was not the strongest Oscar year in the world, honestly. Well, I think it was for performances. Now, to be fair, the year before we had Forrest Gump going up against Pulp Fiction. All right, so let's let's go through the cast. <laughs> there's, okay, there's there's Mel Gibson. Okay, he's better as William Wallace than he does at directing the movie. Correct. Uh, I, I, I liked I liked some of those uh, light moments when he's flirting with the ladies. I liked all the game theory. I, 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 I he did that well. I like the light moments. I think too, if like... he had ha- if he wasn't directing it, he could have done that much better. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Somebody to rein him in. Uh, next, we have Sophie Marceau as Princess Isabel. You could have cast literally anybody to play this French princess. Yeah, nobody cares. N- uh, who? Who? I mean. I'll say she at least 
acquits herself well. It's not like she has the most boring thing you've ever seen. No, it's but just she's such written a and directed poorly. So honestly, what it's are just you a, do? it's just such a terribly written character mm-hmm. that who cares? Okay, we have Patrick McGowan as Longshanks, King Edward the First. This guy is such a good actor, and they wasted him on this. It's really sad. Mm-hmm. Was the warden in Escape from Alcatraz? He was the original <gasps> prisoner. I love that movie, Escape from Alcatraz. That movie's great. Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, I've seen that movie a lot. One of my old uh, friends, she had that on tape, and we watched that a couple different times. I yeah. really like prison escape movies. Well, he was the original prisoner in the UK, mm-hmm. which was a big sci-fi yeah. crazy series. I mean, that that dude is a very awesome character actor that they just... Again, they cartooned him up too much. Exactly. Um, uh, We have Angus McFadden as Robert the Bruce. A very, very Scottish actor. He did great. Except, okay, he's fine until we get to the I'm never gonna be on the wrong side again. Once we got to that and he's got this fucking weird wild-eyed look, I'm like, I don't Mm -hmm. believe you. At all. Yeah, and then we get a bunch of random people that I've never heard of in my life who are playing the older Wallace people. We get James Cosmo. As Campbell. Who, Game of Thrones. Yep, he's great. Yep. He uh, he played... Uh, Sir Mormont of the Black. Yeah, com- the High Commander dude. Yeah. Who dies. and yeah. Sir Jorah's dad. I cannot remember what his fucking name is. It's fine. That's going to bother me. <laughs> uh, Brian Cox as Argyle Wallace. Brian Cox is amazing. What a waste of another fucking great actor. Hi, Brian Cox. <laughs> <laughs> Not you, the the British one. Uh, Peter Hanley is Prince Edward, who is sometimes good and sometimes a near-offensive caricature of a gay person. But that's Mel Gibson for you. Yeah, this came up. That became a problem. Like, actually, like, Glad wanted him to apologize for it. Good. There are times when it makes a whole lot of sense, and mm-hmm. it's totally fine, and there are times in this movie where you're like, this is such a fucking ridiculous thing, and we know that Mel Gibson is conservative. We know that he's not particularly fond of gay people. Mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> uh, we've got Catherine McCormick as uh, Mur- Murian. Uh, his first, the first lady he falls in love with. Again, cast literally any brown-haired Irish actress, and that's not a that's not a shame on her. It's, it's just it's the role and how she's directed. It's nothing against the actresses. Interesting that wrong. all of the women in this movie are so poorly written. Uh, then there's Brendan Gleeson. Very big deal. Uh, he's playing something more interesting because I'm we're used to seeing him as kind of this toughy chain-smoking Irish dude, and mm-hmm. he's playing kind of a big, dumb oaf. Yeah, I kind of like it. It's fun. You can tell he's he's being very natural and has a character that mm-hmm. he knows what he's doing with. True. He's probably the best actor in the whole movie. And then the last one really of note is Tommy Flanagan. Yeah, he that's He plays right. Morrison. Uh, you may know him as Chibs from Sons of Anarchy. Uh, maybe my favorite character from Sons. And it has to be said, uh, his scars are real. He has a Glasgow smile. He, I, he, I, he, don't, I don't know the story behind that, but it is real. He, do, he actually does a really good job in this movie, too. Yes, he's good. He uh, becomes one of his uh, like lieutenants, if you will. So yeah, he's great. Um, I always like seeing him. He's a great actor. 
And then, you know, a bunch of Scottish, Irish, different people like that. Oh, yes. He got his famous scar when walking home after a DJ gig. He was attacked by a group and was cut <laughs> with a knife. Man, the 80s were an interesting time, everybody. A DJ gig. <laughs> Man. Uh, and he says he likes the rain and misery of Scotland over the sun of California. It's my kind of dude. I, I can imagine. We, I am raining cold all the way. Yeah, yeah it's, I mean, there, there, are some, there are some shining moments from the acting. The cast is fine. Yeah. It's a pretty good cast. But we needed a better director. And a better story. Story could have been tighter, but if we had a better director, I don't think that would have been, I don't think the writing is the problem, it's the directing. Uh, I think they milked all the all the the fight scenes. Yeah, I know. And they and then they just did a ton of exposition. All right, so we're gonna get into a little bit of the trivia stuff from here. Okay. Uh, uh, Mel Gibson didn't want to play William Wallace. Uh, he thought he was too old. He didn't want to do it. William Wallace was supposed to be in his twenties, and Mel Gibson was in his forties when he did this. Yeah, Mel um, or William Wallace died at like thirty-five or something. If that. Um, but the studio would not finance the film unless he starred in it. Well, that makes which sense. Which makes a lot of sense. It also makes sense in thinking about, like, Passion of the Christ and mm-hmm. Apocalyptico, both yes. movies where he took a true directing role. So that actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in the scene where he's being hung, he actually hung himself. They had to cut him down. Wow. Because they wanted it to look that real. That's rough. That was a bit much. Usually you can pull that off with a harness behind you and still get the look right. I, I, I don't know. He's also an insane person, so we'll a, leave it a there. A little bit. Um, the battle scenes, they hired the local FCA groups in Ireland to cut co- their companies. They're like military for hire people to come and be those extras. So you're telling me like actual IRA motherfuckers were out... Doing fake battles. Yes, but they didn't take into account that there were actual rivalries involved. So in some of those battle scenes, some of them actually were taking out their personal rivalries against each other. Hey guys, if you're going to go film any fucking thing in Ireland... By the way, while the troubles are still going on, yeah, we hadn't had a good Friday Accord. They still had fucking guns everywhere. What were you fucking thinking? So so that happened. Though, I will say that the worst set injury was a broken nose. That's impressive. That, of everything. And I talked previously about the horses. Uh, Mel Gibson was investigated for animal cruelty because of this movie. I totally buy it. Because watching it, mm-hmm. you are like... There's no way. There's no way you, you didn't, didn't hurt... You didn't spear at least one you horse. Didn't kill a, like, you didn't hurt a horse. Um... They used a lot of digital effects. Um, they actually, like, he was investigated. It's fine. And he has said, I will do whatever if you can t- t- spot which ones are real and which ones are fake in that movie. And they had videotape behind the scenes, so it's gone away. But he it, he was investigated. They did a good fucking job. They did. They did. I believe that they didn't hurt any horse on set. I truly do. Mm-hmm. They... They can't get away with spending that much money on a movie and risking that. Mm-hmm. But holy shit, they made it look real. Uh, Mel Gibson turned down doing James Bond Goldeneye 
which went to Pierce Brosnan to do this film, he also turned down being Two-Face in Batman Forever. He would have been an amazing Two-Face. He would have been shit as James Bond. Agreed. But, but he, uh, I don't want an American James Bond. Never. No, thank you. Well, he could have pulled off the British accent. He He's fine with accents. But the thing about it is, is he just he just would have been bad. Because he'd already set himself up with Murdoch and yeah. the Weapon as either the charming, mm-hmm. as a charming but kind of crazy motherfucker. Yeah. That's his bread and butter mm-hmm. role. And that wouldn't have worked for James Bond. No. no. You need to be much more cold. Ugh, anyway. Ugh. Perfect. <laughs> It's perfect now. I really want it to be Idris Elba, but it's okay. It'd be real interesting to see what you think of Timothy Dalton. True. He's like the prototype. We're going to do a little series in the spring of the Bond films because I have seen nothing prior to Pierce Brosnan. I'm so ashamed. That's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I'm aware. Like, I'm I'm, I'm the one who suggested we do that. I know. At least, at least I've seen a bunch of them. There you go. Uh, okay, so my last little piece of trivia that I thought was interesting, and and now we can get into this part of the discussion, is that Empire Magazine, in 2005, this voted this the worst movie to win Best Picture ever. You got any other candidates? Because that's what we need. So let's start with 2004's Crash. I've never actually seen that film. Oh, oh, we might have to sub that into this. No, because I know it's shit. It's so bad. I know. It's such a bad movie. There's nothing about that trailer where anybody came out of that film and said, yeah, it was wonderful. I remember we were at a friend's house and it was his birthday party and so we just decided to pop that in. Mm-hmm. Bunch of theater folks, we're going to watch it. Halfway through that movie, like, there's a couple of people in the room who, like, really bought into the earnest premise. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of us who are watching it going, what is this fucking piece of shit? And then in 2004, we just thought, man, this is dumb. Now looking back, I'm like, oh, I know why it's dumb. Because it's totally fucking racist and wrong. (laughs) Like, it's a movie that's supposed to be like, this is about diversity. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, yeah, because you have no idea what's actually going on in the lives of people of color (laughs) at all. There's some real gross shit in there, too, but Mm -hmm. I won't get into that. American Beauty has not held up well. (gasps) Lies! Think about that movie again. No. I feel like I haven't watched it since Mm-mm. around then. But if I it go back and watch up. it, it still holds up. If I go back and watch it again, I'm gonna be like, this movie is kind of a piece of garbage. No, it's not. Now in 20 years, now it won't be. It won't. It won't hold up. I don't then. think. I don't think it holds up now. I think it does. Mm. Those performances for damn sure. Something we might have to to test out. A lot of people would say Shakespeare in Love. Oh, totally agreed. I agree. I don't agree that it's that bad. It's not that bad, but it did not deserve to win that year. It should have been Saving Private Rhyming. I've never seen that film. Yeah, that's fair. I, I know it shouldn't have been Shakespeare in Love. Shakespeare in Love should have won the best original screenplay. screenplay. Yeah. Because Tom Stoppard's screenplay is fucking incredible. And it's a great movie. It is. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's it's a great romantic comedy. And some of it is on bitter because Gwyneth Paltrow should not have an Oscar. Yeah, well. Not yeah. at all. Jeffrey Rush is the best part of the movie. Um, so I mean, right there, that's three. Mm-hmm. Dances with Wolves, which I still think is crap. I haven't even seen the whole movie, and I'm like, this is boring. And another, you know, Kevin Costner glory, glory actor directing the big movie yeah. picture. Yeah, uh, You know, we I could keep going down the list, mm-hmm. but I think you get the point from there. I don't know. Okay, but of the ones that you've listed, okay, maybe Crash is worse. Mm-hmm. 
for sure. But I, I don't think there's anything redeeming about Crash, and there are some redeeming things about Braveheart. I'm not going to say American Beauty is. I just think that movie does not hold up nearly as well as it did in 1999. Okay, well, it was definitely the best picture that year. It was the best picture that year. That's a debate that we would have to have at another time. Correct. Because I don't know the other nominees. It's the be- it, it it deserved what it won that year. Because um, it, it got the it got the the five crown. I don't know what they call it. Because it got best picture, best director, best actor, best actress, and best screenplay. So, yeah, we got to do our ratings now. Okay. I'm gonna give it a two. And I know I harped on, I gave a lot of twos, but I think two is fair. I do as well. Okay. We both agreed it's a two. I was very prepared to go one. I really was. And then the second half of the movie turned it around a bit. The battle scenes are quite amazing. Because we hadn't gotten to the best ones yet. We hadn't gotten... So we watched this over two nights, because it's a three hour movie. I think we got the freedom scene. No, the freedom scene is at the end. No, no, no. Oh, where he talks about, we're not afraid of, we can't do this, we're not afraid of. You know what it honestly mm-hmm. is, is this whole movie in some ways has been ruined because it became such a cultural touchstone. Um, That's true, and it's taking you this long to see it. Uh, yeah. It's been 20 years. I know. But it, it, it was such a, like a, a cultural moment type yes. thing of a movie that really I don't think got knocked off until Titanic came around. Like, this was the big this cultural was an epic, was epic the cultural thing. Epic. Yeah. Um, the problem was, was I think it got co-opted by a lot of really annoying people. Oh, for sure. So did Titanic. <laughs> I know. They always do. And once that happens, it kind of becomes the like, well, okay, why should I care? <laughs> so there's a detachment level from this. But honestly, I don't think that's why, you know, I feel like it deserves a two. Mm. I mean, it deserves a two because it's just not that good a movie. But it's not horrible. It's not. Like, like I said, I was prepared to give it mm-hmm. one, because if it stayed on that total overacting, it's a bunch of mealy-mouth sentimental tripe, yeah. then I would have I immediately downgraded. But at the end, the story mm-hmm. starts to come around, and you're like, okay, now we're into yes. the real meat of this story. So we could re-edit this and get it down to two hours, no problem. Oh, God, yes. Right. Tighten up those performances. Yeah. Make it a little more natural. Skip I mean, I still, and, I still want, I still want the the sex by the lake. But you know, and can we please talk about this one? Best cinematography. Every fucking scene looks like the camera smeared in Vaseline. This movie looks horrible. Yeah, it ain't good. Like I don't. Yeah. There's no camera work in this movie. Though so it impressive. deserves the effects because of those fucking horses. Absolutely. No doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Editing, film editing for sure. Mm-hmm. But this movie looks terrible okay. compared to what you could do now. And I don't know, well, I understand why it won makeup because the other two movies were no, but his hair is shit. <laughs> he didn't grow that shit out. I mean. You could tell. The only thing I can, I can sort of explain that away is they are living in the woods. <sighs> There's nowhere to clean yourself. It's the 12th century. Okay, but it looks like bad wig. Well, it looks like back wig. And here's the thing. Go back to history. William Wallace kind of had short hair. And all the pictures we've got of him. Etchings. It would have been like shaved. I don't know. It wouldn't have been that. Let's put it that way. No. It wouldn't have been a fucking 80s mullet. 
Yeah. I guess that's my other, that's like my last thing on this. This feels like this should have been done in 1985. Okay, and here's the other thing, and this is a very small point, but it bugs me. Uh, there are a couple times where Mel Gibson's running around, and I can see his underwear. <laughs> and I'm sorry, if you're gonna do this type of movie, I should see your butt. Good lord, you had a bunch of fucking or, guys out on a plane bare their, bare their entire fronts and backs mm-hmm. for a war scene. Which I'm pretty sure he did too. Yeah, no, I, there's there were many jokes about him walking around without his underwear on. But like seriously, of course, just but it, the fucking kilt, dude. It, well, just do it. Do it. Or make sure that it's set up in a way, costuming wise, so that that would never happen. Yeah. And if you see it happen, you need to redo it or you need to cut it. I mean, to be fair, sometimes there's just no way to do that. <laughs> I we're not don't in accept the, this. We're not in the editing room. That can be hard. Figure it out. So your problem is you didn't get to see enough of Mel Gibson's penis. I don't care about his penis. He has a very nice butt, though. (laughs) 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 All right, so we're both solidly at a two for this. Yeah. So our next week, our next movie is going to be Bridge on the River Kwai. Legitimately a good movie. Uh, Well, it's Ron Swanson approved, so. It is Ron Swanson approved. It's got to be good for something. William Holden. Get a return oh, from great. him. Great acting. And Sir Alec Guinness. Oh, okay. In, I'm going to say it, he's great as Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. This is his best film role. I don't think I've far. ever seen him in anything other than Star Wars. This is absolutely the best movie he's okay, in. Okay, great. Um, Again, it's another three hour. It is a three hour. This is a war movie, but I'm going to go ahead and say, subvert your expectations of what okay. a war movie could be. Because this is way more about what war does to people than it is about war itself. Well, okay. And then, you know, to bridges. Bridges. Over the River Kwai. Oh, okay. I don't know anything about the River Kwai itself. <laughs> so, is it a real river? Or is it a pretend river? I'm pretty sure is it's it a, a movie river? river. I don't know. Is it a stunt river? I'm going to have to find that out before we, before <laughs> you we will. get into it. I need to know the specifics of this river in its existence. <laughs> This is the things that will keep me up until we watch this movie. Yeah, something like that. Alright, till next time, guys. Alright, so our first uh, movie theater movie of 2018 has been Molly's Game. The true story of Molly Bloom, an Olympic-class skier who ran the world's most exclusive high-stakes poker game and became an FBI target. Based on the book by Molly Bloom, and then uh, made into a screenplay by Aaron Sorkin, and then directed by Aaron Sorkin. This is his uh, directorial debut. Mm -hmm. Feature film, at least. Feature film, yeah. I believe he did one or two episodes of uh, some of his other stuff. Actually, I'll look at this now. He hasn't directed anything. Oh. the only feature he's directed, period. Well, I have to say, I was very surprised, because while... While there are some things I would have tweaked, um, it was very good. It was a solid to better than solid movie. Yes. I'll give him good credit for that. He reined in some of his worst instincts. Mm-hmm. Though this movie is, I, I I didn't realize we were clocking in at 2.20, but it is about 20 to 30 minutes too long. There, There's some exposition they could have tightened up, but it was a compelling story. I liked the way it was set up. There's a lot of narration, which I don't feel like I've gotten from him in his other shows. Um, I could be 
wrong about that, but I don't remember there being a lot of voiceovers. And so we get a lot of that, and there's a lot of flashback sequences, and it was really well done. Um, I think Jessica Chastain is wonderful. Yeah. Um, I can kind of get while she's nominated for a Golden Globe, but it's definitely not worthy of a trophy. This movie isn't awards level. I no, mean, it's it's not gonna it it's not gonna go in that direction because it is just the story is as good and tight as it is mm-hmm. a pretty run of the mill story. There's nothing yes. special about what's going on here. Yeah, uh, and you know, Idris Elba's great. Kevin Costner was kind of a shining light in this one. He had a. It was interesting. As we were watching this movie, I just thought, you know, Kevin Costner is perfect for Aaron Sorkin dialogue. And he has a scene that he really gets to shine. And I was like, that is, this is the Kevin Costner that wins Oscars. It's the same thing. Harrison Ford would have been really good in in Aaron Sorkin stuff. Mm -hmm. Because you need an actor who's very good at just sort of naturally having presence. Mm -hmm. And then being able to speak the words in tone. Yes. That's, you know, you don't need somebody who's who's wanting to dive into every single syllable. Like, Daniel Day-Lewis is not going to do great with an Aaron Sorkin script. Mm-mm. Kevin Costner will. Well, and also, uh, the actors involved in this film also do comedy and sarcasm very, very well. And you have to be able to play that with Aaron Sorkin. He loves to pepper in the, the, the banter. And that's one of the things he's very good at. Well, and he cast, the cast is pretty remarkably balanced. It's very good. I mean, you know, Jessica Chastain being who she is, mm-hmm. but between heavy hitters like Idris Elba and Kevin Costner, to comic actors like Michael Sarah and Chris O'Dowd. What, Chris, Chris O'Dowd's good, he's him, but what I will say is that this is one of the best performances I've seen by Michael Sarah. Absolutely. Uh, he, he's not playing himself, but he is playing a celebrity. Uh, a celebrity that's not named. Uh, you can find that out from IMDb. Uh, but he, he's got a lot more depth than we've seen from him on screen. I think the last time I saw something even close to this was Juno. Yeah. And that was a long time ago. Well, and he's he's somehow tapping into that more natural feel of his acting. He's mm-hmm. not awkward. He's actually smooth. Yes. Which is really interesting for him. I will say, though, his uh, hairstyle was not well thought out. They oh. should have cleaned that up a bit. Well, whatever. I, who knows? That was my one issue. Um, and, you know, there's there's character actors all mm-hmm. over the place. Wrecking, like Brian Darcy James, Bill oh. Camp, um, Justin Kirk. Love Justin Kirk. There's all these character mm-hmm. and kind of stage people yes. involved too, which makes sense for Aaron Sorkin. Mm-hmm. That's where he came I'm, from. I'm a little surprised we didn't get a Josh Molina cameo. Eh. That's one of his like best best buds. Yeah, but this is a this this seems like it was a quick setup. Let's get everybody in and get this movie done type film. He could have easily played one of like the Russian guys. Maybe the Jewish Russian. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> who's Aaron Sorkin's favorite Jew? It's Josh Molina. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's surprisingly good. You know, I, I'm not always the biggest fan of Aaron Sorkin mm-hmm. stuff, particularly in that it gets a little preachy. And this it can, movie, yes. And this movie kind of went there a couple of times, but it it stayed away from it for the most part, which I was I was happy with. Well, what I found really interesting was that I feel like this is the first time he's had a female protagonist. Now she's a very particular type of female protagonist. Um, it's very well suited for Aaron Sorkin, but I think he did a really good job with her. He didn't, he still played her, he still wrote her in a three-dimensional capacity. Yes. 
Yes. She's a she's a very specific type of woman, mm-hmm. but he doesn't shy away from getting into the meat of why she is that way. He gave her layers, and he wrote her with layers, which exactly. was great. Um, she's interesting and compelling. Um, some of the costume design, I will say, is spot on. It's very well done. Um, which I don't think if you're if you're not paying attention to it, I don't think you'll notice it. But I've been in a the crown analysis black hole. So I've I've had my eyes turned towards the costumes lately. I don't know much else on this movie. No, I think it's great. It's definitely worth seeing. I don't think it's gonna walk away with any trophies, but that's okay. It's fine. It's a good It's it's a solid film. It's a good movie to kick off the year and a palate cleanser before you jump into some of the deeper Oscar fair. Yes, and and a great di- directorial debut. Yeah. It's it is. It's very solid. Alright, have fun guys. Bye. That's it for this episode. Please take a moment to review and rate us on iTunes. And for questions and comments, drop us an email at macintoshandmod at gmail.com. 